Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week we are talking about Barbenheimer. <laughs> the Barbenheimer. <laughs> um, yeah, Barbie and Oppenheimer came out the same day, and uh, they're doing really well. So we'll uh, did we'll you talk about do that. the Barbenheimer, or did you see no. them separately? I I um, probably should have done the Barbenheimer. I didn't plan it far enough in advance, or else I would have DD one or two. Um, but uh, you kind of take had to take two things into consideration. One, um, opening night, uh, excitement was high for both of them, so uh, the theater sold out really quickly. Also, Oppenheimer's a three-hour movie, so you so kind long. of have to, yeah, you have to, like, um, time that right. So we saw Barbie opening night, and I was, uh, I have tickets to go see uh, Oppenheimer actually tomorrow. Yeah, up at uh, Opry Mills IMAX, the one okay. here in town. That was the big thing for me. I was like, I was like, well, I was like, and also Oppenheimer being in IMAX and that being like the the preferred way to see it. Yeah. it would make sense to like that. It would be it would be a lot harder because that is just you know obviously right. it's like you know each theater well, around dude. here at at most has one uh, premier screen. You know, like yeah. IMAX screen. Um, did we did we talk so. about? Uh, um, Oppenheimer at this IMAX yet? No. <laughs> okay. So apparently, or did I send you this? I don't know. Anyway, um, apparently, uh, when um, they were looking for theaters, IMAX theaters to put the actual film in, it's only 19 locations in the entire U.S. Aha. Um, that I was actually playing it on IMAX 70 millimeter film. Yeah, the actual and, film, and the rest and, of them were all digital. Right, and our IMAX um, here in town at Aubrey Mills couldn't play film anymore because <gasps> it had fallen into basically disrepair, and the cooling system um, wasn't working right in the film room, oh, and there were no. some other things they had to upgrade because, uh, and it would just melt. So they, like, oh, they, they, that's why the they, haven't, they haven't played film in there since, um, uh, I think the fil- the movie before Tenant. What was before Tenant? Interstellar. Dunkirk. Oh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah. Okay. I do. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, and uh, Christopher Nolan paid out of his own pocket to fix the the Nashville IMAX seventy millimeter theater. That's awesome. So that they could p- play this movie on seventy millimeter film again, and um, and so now it's 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 rocking and rolling. And uh, dude, if you if you go there now, like I mean, I I tried to. So t- I guess it was probably three weeks ago now. So two weeks before release. I was trying to buy tickets on opening weekend. Couldn't couldn't find any tickets until tomorrow. Like it's been out for a whole week. Right, right. And I couldn't find tickets until tomorrow. And it, and I'm and we're taking off work early and going to a matinee showing because that was the all only thing available. Yeah. And then yeah, if, you, yeah. if you go now, tickets are basically sold out through August seventh in that theater. So, That's wild because like I mean you have a really limited uh, time frame a lot of times to like have a movie in an IMAX specifically because like you know what was it like uh, Mission Impossible um, Dead Reckoning Part 1 oh, yeah, was in there out. for like a week <laughs> yeah this kicked it out and yeah. Tom Cruise wasn't happy but Tom Cruise also wasn't selling out that theater well and he was also he also didn't pay for the projector <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when you yeah when you when you pay for the upgrades to the theater, you can yeah. kind of tell them to do what you want. That 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 projector is, is is named Christopher Nolan now. You know that's yeah. <laughs> that's his projector. Yep. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and that's, you know, that's one of those things, like, it was just contracts that, like, existed in the first place. Like, it's like, and, and you know, obviously, uh, Dead Reckoning got delayed a, a couple times. And so it's like, well, it wasn't originally planned to come out a week before Oppenheimer. And so it was going to have, like, more runway for that type of thing. But I even remember, like, whenever avengers or something like that would like come out into the imax there were times where it's like okay well it's like this is the last time you're going to be able to see whatever movie was before that in the theaters because <laughs> avengers is coming out they're not going to not show that on the imax you know <laughs> so right. you just really have a limited time with with those premium format screens to see these things so yep um yeah yeah so if you want to see it on in on uh, on film and you've got a theater near you, you might want to check the availability because it's probably packed. Um, when there's 19. only nineteen in the whole U.S., yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there were only like thirty worldwide, so you know, like you know, that's that's insane to me too because that we're talking about like twenty one for the rest of the world. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, that's that's intense. Um. And obviously this is going to limit the number of like film cells that they have available um, to do like special features with and things Um, like remember with the uh, uh, the interstellar you got like one of the cells like one of the frames from the IMAX film if you bought like a certain edition of like the the Blu-ray or whatever. Um, which is really cool. And so this is obviously going to limit that but it is a three hour long movie Chris. So yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about the impact of, uh, Barbenheimer on the box office a little bit later. Uh, but first, John, what have you been up to this week? So this week, uh, I finished Alan Wake remastered and the DLC for Alan Wake remastered. Um, which was really hard to get to. Like whenever you finish the game, like I was like, aren't there DLC episodes in here? And every time I would like reload, it would just never give me the option. You had to like go into like where you go to like select your checkpoint, like select which chapter you want to play. And they were just, they were just as a bonus in there after I finished the game. And I had to like select them there and then say, yes, delete my check, my previous checkpoint and let me play the DLC. It was very, it was a very like odd and antiquated kind of way to do it, which again, like makes me be like, this is an old game. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's a great game, dude. I, I loved, uh, loved Alan Wake. Th- they kind of like, you know how, like last week I was talking about how like his, him as a character initially, I just did not like get on with, I was just like, this guy is kind of like just mean and a jerk and like kind of, kind of weird. They kind of address that in some of the DLC, um, in the main game, basically once you get to the point of like stuff's just happening and he's, he's just reacting to things rather than like the exposition of like, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a dark place and I can't, you know, I can't, uh, write anything. I'm having writer's block. Like he's, cause he doesn't like himself in those moments. He's like, just a, a weird character to kind of like get, get, you know, on board with. Um, but once it looks at the action starts happening, like I was, I was very sold on the, on the whole story of the, of the actual game. So, um, it's it's fantastic, dude. I'm uh, I'm excited to go back to control now and r- finish up control and move into like potentially playing Alan Wake two whenever that comes out in like October or whatever. Um, it's uh, but yeah, dude, Alan Wake Alan Wake remastered. If anybody hasn't played that game, it's a very fun game. Um, and the story in the end is, is really fun. Um, like I said last week, the collectibles were, were a bit much. Um, I didn't realize also, Chris, that some of the, the, the manuscript pages, so you're picking up the manuscript pages, um, which you can open up and it gives you context to the different characters. It might even fact like 
uh, let you know kind of what's coming uh, in the future. Like, oh, I might tease something that's going to happen to you in the next chapter or later in this chapter. Um, if they're all they're all like recorded with the monologue, like so, some you know, so Alan is reading them, um, and but you can't collect all of them on the like normal difficulty run through. There are certain ones that are only available on the nightmare difficulty. Oh no. And the nightmare difficulty doesn't unlock until you've beat the game on the normal difficulty. So you have to go back. Oh my gosh. You have to go back through on nightmare difficulty. Yeah. So if you're a completionist, you literally have to play through the entire game twice. Mm. And I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, can you pick back up? say you missed one. Can you pick back up ones you missed in on the second playthrough? Yeah, yeah, you can. So, like, and I did miss a, a couple. I think I missed two. And would it be un, is is unreasonably hard at that point? I don't know. It's just it, like so. Like the normal difficulty, I I didn't crank it down. I never cranked it down to easy like I thought I might. Um, because like I was like, ah, oh, well, I was like, oh, I like the gameplay. The gameplay is fun. There were a, a few times where I was just like, it's just. It's it's a lot of the same thing, like where you shine the flashlight at the enemy th- till their sh- like basically their shield goes away. They're like sh- the darkness goes away, um, and then you blast them right. And like it's just a lot of that in the later the later levels, like where it's just like you're spending a lot of time walking around, like shooting off flares and like and just trying to take out these enemies. Where it's like if it was if it was they were easier, I I think I would have had probably more fun with the game if it was easier. And so, like, I can't imagine, like, cranking it up to, like, the nightmare difficulty, the, the hardest difficulty in the game, and then having to do all of that again. Like, it, I feel like it would just take forever, and it would just be a kind of a slog. So, um, that's why I'm not doing it. I love the collectibles. I love those, like, the, the, the monologues. Those are fun. The collectibles that were really not fun were the ones that didn't mean anything, um, which were the, the canteens. There's, like, these little, like... Uh, these little thermos bottles that you pick up and it's like, there's 109 of them. It's like, well, I, I, I just do not want these. <laughs> Those meant nothing. Yeah. They mean nothing. There's just a number that ticks up, uh, in your, is in your it, stats. Is there an achievement attached to it? Yes, there is, but, but <laughs> I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> um, but the ones that give you like context for the story and that's the, that's what I'm used to. Like in quantum break, every single collectible had like, clues and context and like world building and and stuff in the story and that was fantastic and then so same with control control every single collectible you pick up has like some unique thing about where it's like i want to collect these to understand what's going on and to have more story uh fed to me um and so like this one not having that is just kind of like, well, at least they learned for their future games that not to just make a collectathon uh situation um but yeah, dude, it's it's a really fun game. I think if anybody can find it, like on sale, you said it like last week that it was on sale for like eleven bucks or something like that on Xbox. It is full on worth uh, that price. I even think if you bought it not on sale, it's only like a thirty or forty dollar game or something. Nice, um, which is fantastic. It's it's a really good game. Uh, it was a quick playthrough as well. Like I mean, it wasn't each chapter kind of took like an an hour, hour and a half. So that's why I was able to kind of chip through it in a couple weeks. Here is like, oh, let me just sit down at night for an hour and play this game, play one of these chapters, um, and it was really fun. It's awesome. Um, what have you been up to this week, Chris? <sighs> uh, honestly, not much. Um, the Barbie movie for sure, and um, I haven't really done a ton. Other than that, played you know some new uh, some new Call of Duty. Um, uh, there's uh, ranked mode is out, 
um, on Warzone. So I've really how is the ranked mode? This is one of the modes that I, I thought they should have done a long time ago. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because it actually like um, I think it does a better job of like pitting you against players that are like more are your speed, um, like in terms of skill level. Uh, it yeah. is really interesting though. Uh, it is like people are way more apt to camp in this mode <laughs> than on the previous mode, which of course is both good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, is good because you know you don't end up with just getting overrun by super aggro players, which is great not to just get wiped out. Um, by you know, guys, you're just like I'm. I don't even know how you're doing what you're doing. You're insane. Sure, um, sure. But then, like, also, you could you know <laughs> just run into a building that you've been next to all game, and there's some dude with a shotgun in the corner that's been literally sitting there for 20 minutes doing nothing, <laughs> and he shotguns <laughs> you in the face and runs off. And so it's like, mm. you know, I don't know which is worse, honestly. Yeah, yeah. How does the scoring work uh, as far as like ranking up and and going up up higher in the ranks? Uh, each I don't really season? understand it. Like you get points throughout the game, and obviously, if you finish uh, the higher you finish, you know, top ten, top five, you, know, you get more points that r- help you rank up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think kills has something to do with it too. Yeah, uh, looting might. I don't know. I don't really. I don't really understand it. But I can't really tell. Like I mean, I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure somebody has yeah, yeah, documented yeah. it. But I I haven't seen. Just a, a really easy to determine correlation between activities I'm doing and the specific points I'm getting. In my experience with like Apex's ranked stuff, which I've been you know been doing for for years at this point, um, there is like a balance between like how much uh, ranked cred or points or like whatever do you get from kills versus uh placement and you know a lot of times there's like a multiplier where it's like okay well you can get a lot of kills like but if you don't place well they still don't mean as much and you get a couple of kills and then you can just like get to the end to like the final five and rank up a ton and like that balance really does change the way people play where like if it's just if it's too heavily like weighted on the rank side, you get a lot of people camping. If it's too heavily weighted on the kill side, you just get aggro people. All like we're just like let's just go to town, you know. Um, and so like the, you know finding that balance is super interesting, and it's interesting on a game like that to to watch it shift over time and season to season as they kind of adjust those balances and tweak those things. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's interesting, dude. I, I'll have to get on and, ch- and check it out. I'll have to reinstall it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Because like, it's so large, such a I large uh, large game. Um, but I, w- I would like to get in and check it out, see see what uh, see what it's all about. Yeah, dude. So that's what I'm up to. A little bit later, we're going to talk about Barbenheimer. But first, the news! The news! All right, John, I just have a couple of uh, news items. Um, so the first thing I wanted to talk about, uh, the PS5 has hit 40 million uh, units, tracking slightly behind PS4. So this is an article from IGN written by Wesley and Poole. Uh, PlayStation 5 has hit an impressive sales milestone, although the console is currently tracking slightly behind the PlayStation 4. Sony announced that it had sold 40 million PS5. I have a theory for that, by the way. Uh, Sony announced... It has sold 40 million PS5 consoles though through to consumers as of July 16th, according to analysis from Ampere's peers Harding Rolls. The PS5 reached 40 million at a slightly slower rate than its predecessor PS4 hit 40 million two months earlier in its life cycle. And the PS5 is currently tracking around a million consoles behind in terms of sell-through. 
PS4 remains the fastest-selling PlayStation ever. However, the PS5 has enjoyed a strong sales performance in 2023 so far, buoyed by record-breaking shipments and a wave of pent-up demand for the previously hard-to-buy console. Sony has sold over 9 million PS5s in the first half of 2023, 30% better than the peak PS4 comparative performance last generation. Quote, this pace of adoption is allowing Sony to close the adoption gap when compared to the previous console generation, making up for poor availability of the PS5 in its first two years on sale. That's that's why yep. we're tracking behind it. Everyone would have bought one back then. I would have bought one. I still don't I mean, have one. More people would have bought one if it had been available. You know what I, I know, mean? That's what I mean. Like, I, I, yeah. Part of, I, mean, I, need a, I need to buy one, but at this point, I'm like, I'm just going to wait for whatever the, like, you know, pro mid generation version of this is. Yeah, like, I mean, they're talking I about right like now? there are rumors that there might be like a uh, a version coming out like with a that's discless, but it has a optional uh like separate plug-in disc drive, um Weird. like peripheral that you can you can like buy as well. Um, but like that's the only rumors of like a uh, of like a, a new model or a slim model or whatever. Um, so but but yeah, like I mean, at this point, it's like well, you might as well like wait a little bit and see if, if there's some, you know, if there maybe is a better version coming out next year or something. Yeah. So yeah, the article goes on, just, you know, they have forecasts for the rest of the year. They forecast it being good and all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, so you know, it's interesting. Uh, in there somewhere, they talk about Microsoft has sold through 21, um, million Xboxes, correct? Yeah. As of June, early June. So it's a, it's a, it's a month behind like a month or two month and a half behind like those numbers are, but that's still like, obviously is a, uh, <laughs> is half the amount of the PlayStation fives that have sold. It's pretty crazy. I it's mean, pretty yeah. wild. I mean, when insulin, whenever, you know, Phil Spencer gets up there and is like, yeah, we've clearly lost the console war this generation. Yeah. It's like, oh uh, yeah, you kind of have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, and like there was that question like uh I guess it was about a year ago or whatever where, where like where everything was like so uh, you know, obscured like as far as like what sales numbers were or availability was and we were like, well, like Xbox is like selling a lot um and they're available, right? Like cuz like they were like, yeah, we're able oh, to yeah. manufacture faster than Sony, but like with the amount of PS5s that Sony has sold like just like 9 million this year, Chris. That's so many consoles. Yeah. Um it's like well they've caught up like and the like, they were probably tracking just as well as the the Xbox Series consoles but they were just selling out so fast. Super super interesting. Yep. Uh, all right, next uh, piece of news. Paramount Pictures is jettisoning animation it doesn't consider commercial as it goes all in on familiar franchises. This is also IGN, Cat Bailey, and Alex Stedman. Like much of Hollywood, Paramount Animation is putting its focus on franchises. The CEO of Paramount Pictures, Brian Robbins, talked about his approach in a wide-ranging cover story with Variety this week, ahead of the release of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is shaping up to be a hit for Paramount Animation. This isn't exactly something the division is used to. It struggled to find its footing since its inception in 2011 with a couple of successful SpongeBob SquarePants movies and some more disappointing outings in the likes of Sherlock Gnomes, Monster Trucks, and Animalisa. Uh, Robbins stepped in as Paramount CEO in 2021 and, as Variety Notes, has overhauled the animation division, jettisoning projects that he didn't think were commercial. It was previously reported that Ron Howard's The Shrinking of Treehorn, which was set up at Paramount, was sold to Netflix, and Robbins also revealed that original musical comedy Under the Boardwalk would be released to Paramount Plus instead of in theaters. The quote is, we're not going to release an expensive original animated movie and just pray people will come. 
Uh, instead, the cover story notes the studio plans to double down on familiar IP with two SpongeBob SquarePants movies in the works, an Avatar The Last Airbender animated film, the recently announced sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, and a new Paw Patrol feature later this year. Um, talking further about their strategy, Robin says, quote, it's not about Disney and Pixar anymore. People are looking for animated movies that are irreverent and have a comedic point of view. He was pointing to box office disappointments like Lightyear and Elemental. We kind of talked about that last week. It's worth noting that the heavily franchise-focused approach that Robin's laid out is somewhat of a contradiction of comments made by Paramount Animation President Ramsey Nato, who previously told Deadline that they're, quote, also very interested in originals and our ability to be able to launch original titles theatrically. Uh, the quote about expensive original animated movies, however, quickly made the rounds on social media after it was clipped out by discussing film with the likes of Guillermo del Toro com commenting with a simple, Dear Lord. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, long story short, I mean, here's here's the thing. Like, I, I see both sides of it. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't care if you, if you're, if it's a, a franchise or if it's an original movie yeah. just tell a tell a good story and have make, yeah. you know make it a good movie and make you make make audiences aware of it like i think that's so many things like or, or there are like so a, many times yeah, especially marketing <laughs> yeah especially in animation it's like you think i think about the successes that we've had right like you wouldn't have you wouldn't have a franchise without the original toy story like you wouldn't have a toy right. story franchise that can then go on to have a light year that doesn't do well in the box office Unless you had like an original movie the first place and had faith in that like right. that movie, um, and so like obviously you have to have a mix. Otherwise, you end up with just you end up basically only having you know having the disappointing like sequel Lightyear um, to all of these movies you know f six or seven movies down the line. Um, I don't know, man. Like it's it's yeah, it's a balance. And it's, but it's like the thing about that Disney and, and Pixar, a lot of cases did so well and is marketing and is like letting audiences know, Hey, this is a, a really good movie. Yeah. Go see it. Right. And like that we talked about last week, how like the big pitfall that, that, uh, Disney fell into with Pixar movies recently is they were just like no marketing, throw it on Disney plus and hope people see it. Right. Yep. And it's like, well, that well, like, like that just basically like, devalues the theatrical side of things. I think, and I, I don't know, it's wild. I think I saw maybe two, two commercials for Elemental. Yeah, uh, nothing I mean, that intrigued me. And here's the here was the problem with like Lightyear, and I still haven't seen it. I need to, but like, I I loved. I was super in with the first like teaser, but then like the more I saw of it, the more I'm like, this doesn't intrigue me. Like, it's not it doesn't seem as cool as I thought it was going to be. Sure, and, sure. You know, and and that's very like that's very uh that's not you know quantifiable, that's real like subjective, but like it just didn't. Like I sure, and, and sure. I don't know necessarily even why. But I was yeah, like I, I mean, I'm not excited about this anymore. And that's the thing, you know, you you got to you got to be able to to make people aware of the the great thing that you have, right? You first of all, you have to make a great thing. So whether that's a great original thing or a great like sequel to a thing, you got to make a great thing, right? But then you got to make people aware of it once it is there, once it exists. Um, because if you have an amazing uh, original or even an amazing, like, especially like you talk about with like Lightyear or whatever, like you have an amazing sequel to something, 
and nobody knows about it or you don't market it well and it like maybe you, people don't like the look of it whenever whenever the marketing comes out or whatever it ends up it ends up being being a failure um monetarily so it's like well just because you decide oh well we're never doing original ip again well that doesn't mean you're just going to be successful yeah, that's so stupid <laughs> Which is obviously like where the likes of like Guillermo Desporo like comes in, you know. It like that's my point. Like it doesn't matter. Like sure, you can say that, but then you can also release a terrible uh, franchise movie, you <laughs> right. know? Hit yeah, Lightyear as an example. Well, I mean, like know? that one's again. Like that one is is actually like I really like Lightyear. It's really good, but yeah, uh, but people didn't terrible. see it, and yes. people didn't like. Yeah, it's and so it's it's just you can have a box office failure for other reasons than it being, being a, a new or IP or be a franchise thing, you I know? Agree. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, such, it's such an ignorant statement. <laughs> um, and then the last piece we were going to talk about um, is, what was the last piece uh, that you sent? Oh, was it about the Call of Duty stuff? Oh, yeah. Yes. Aha! So uh, I don't have the article in front of me. I, sh- I didn't need to uh, This is from The Verge. Thousands of Call of Duty fans are playing Classic 360 title thanks to a server fix. Um, this is uh, written by Tom Warren. Activision has fixed matchmaking server issues and some older Call of Duty titles for the Xbox 360. Players have been complaining about matchmaking issues in classics like Call of Duty Black Ops and the original Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 over the past few years as they haven't been able to get into lobbies for multiplayer modes. Now that the servers are back and working, the player count in Call of Duty Black Ops, which might not be a totally accurate, stands at more than 100,000. That doesn't mean thousands of Xbox 360 consoles are suddenly being powered on. It's all possible thanks to Microsoft's backwards compatibility support on Xbox, allowing Xbox One and Xbox Series S and X owners to play these classic Call of Duty games. All you have to do is put in your old disc or even install a digital copy of the game and all your Xbox 360 progress from more than a decade ago will have been preserved, including your Call of Duty prestige ranks. It's not all smooth sailing, though. Despite the thousands of people returning to play these Call of Duty games, GameRant points out that there are some issues with the input latency on Xbox Series SX emulating these older games with Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Call of Duty Maker Activision Blizzard at its final stages. It's possible we'll see those input latency issues fixed soon. After all, it can't be pure coincidence that these Call of Duty games are now suddenly fixed just as Microsoft gets ready to put Activision games on its Xbox Game Pass service. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, dude. That's wild, man. Yeah, I mean... I just like... it, those, those games like where it's like oh yeah i'm never gonna play a black ops again you know yeah. or whatever because it's just like you get in there and, and your know, hackers are everywhere or whatever yeah. you know <laughs> i'm excited because uh yeah i mean those were those are fun multiplayer um and and they did kind of just like get you know infested with uh like just ridiculous stuff later on you know, people exploiting bugs and stuff like that yeah i don't know if that's still there but um it's uh it's it'll be fun to go back and play some of those uh, old multiplayer maps yeah, dude. I think some of that was there because of like server like m- needed the maintenance. Like a lot of the you know the, the the servers just were not being maintained at all. And so like whatever this update has done has made them playable again. And it's like okay, well let's take this to the next step. Let's see what happens whenever uh, uh, Xbox decides to put them all on on Game Pass. Yeah, and that's the news. All right, John, we're gonna talk about Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Um, all right. So this is an article from IGN written by Adele Anchors Range. Barbie breaks Warner Brothers box office records, surpassing The Dark Knight and Aquaman. 
I don't know how Aquaman is the thing with a record, but okay. Barbie has continued to smash box office numbers for Warner Brothers by taking $52 million in the U.S. and Canada over two consecutive weekdays, beating records previously held by The Dark Knight and Aquaman. As reported by Deadline, Barbie brought in a record-breaking Monday and Tuesday box office haul for the studio, earning $26.1 million and $26 million in the U.S. and Canada on those days, respectively. Ticket sales for Greta Gerwig's pink-hued romp have also crossed over $200 million at the domestic box office after five days. According to the outlet, Barbie's box office earnings for Tuesday put it ahead of The Dark Knight's $24.4 million total from July 22, 2008, and Aquaman's December 25, 2018 haul of $21.98 million. Outside of Warner Brothers, Barbie had the fifth biggest Tuesday of July behind the likes of Spider-Man Far From Home and Transformers. Barbie also had the best-ever Monday performance at the box office, domestic box office for the studio, putting it ahead of Christopher Nolan's Batman sequel, The Dark Knight, which made $24.6 million per variety. On top of this victory, the Margot Robbie-led movie secured a top slot in the top 15 Mondays of all time at the domestic box office. As one part of the Barbenheimer phenomenon, Barbie landed the best domestic box office opening day of 2023 and earned rave reviews from fans and critics alike. Edgian's review of Barbie gave the movie a 9 out of 10, calling it a hyper-fem rollercoaster ride that provided a masterful exploration of femininity and the pressures of perfection. Barbie's box office competitor, Oppenheimer, has, although I don't know how it's uh, that big of a competitor. Uh, I mean, although I went to both, I'm going to both, so I guess it is. Uh, I mean, Oppen- it's in the box office at the same time. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the competition. Uh, Oppenheimer has proven to be a success for Universal Pictures. Nolan's big screen biopic uh, grossed $12 million in the U.S. and Canada on Tuesday, pushing the movie's domestic total over $107 million. Uh, IGN's 10 out of 10 review of Oppenheimer dubbed it Nolan's most abstract yet most ex- exacting work. Um, and both uh, movies uh, are in the 90s on Rotten Tomatoes for critics and audience scores. Um, so uh, I think there's multiple things here. Um, one, it's just exciting to, like, this year has been great for movies. And I, like, honestly, like, it, it just so feels many. like. Yeah, so many movies and so many great movies. Um, and there's a there's a bummer, like there's a there's a but coming here in a second. But like, um, uh, like I'm we finally it feels like this is the after all the like production pauses and everything that happens during um, 2020 and 2021. Um, like we we're finally kind of getting back on track with like studios having full slates um, and big blockbusters. Um, throughout the whole year. I mean, I, I can't even think of, we went through kind of like at the beginning of the year, the movies that were coming in and we were just like, yeah, this is gonna be great. But like, it's cool that these movies are here and they actually are turning out great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, that's, and there's like the summer movie kind of um, season here is like, there's so many um, that it's just too many, too many for, I think that a lot of people to see, which is what I think, like movies like um, Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny, like suffer from because it's just like there are like the simultaneously there are so many great movies that are out that like whatever the lowest on that list is that you may have gone to see like if there weren't as many good movies the volume of good movies was lower like you might have gone to see that movie like as you're you know oh yeah I'm definitely gonna go see Dial of Destiny but if every weekend is like something different. Um, and it's all like stacked your bottom, the bottom of that, like 
list of good movies that you really want to see are going to fall off. You know what yeah. I mean? And so like yeah, you're totally. going to have like movies that might normally uh, or might have like last year, if they had come out like last year, they might have performed very well. You're yeah. going to have, you know, those movies perform pretty you know, pretty badly in, in a lot of, in some cases. Yeah. I mean, with Indiana Jones specifically, like this is, this is my take on it. Like, uh, the early press on it was not good. Um, like coming out of cans. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Although like, but then like when it finally got out, I mean, if you look up the Rotten Tomato score, I think the Rotten Tomato score is in the seventies now and the yeah. audience score was freaking great. Like, yeah. And, and so, and I loved it. And so like, oh man, like that, you know, that kind of stuff, hurts a movie because like what you do is you know what you're describing when there's a lot okay what you need is people to go see the movie tell their friends oh no this is actually a good movie then they go see it but like if then the next weekend barbie barbie comes out or oppenheimer comes out and it's like right well then they're gonna obviously gonna go see that instead i don't know like uh so with 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 indiana jones specifically i'm like it hurt it that they took it to cans and i know that was a it that really was a did. move that was a move for uh, Harrison Ford, you know, and yeah, like, he wanted to yeah. honor him, but still, like, you think about that audience and that that crowd, like, that's not a that's not a movie that's gonna go over well. Like, you don't ever expect it to, you know. It's a, I don't even know if the first one would have back in the day when you released it. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. So like, I don't know. It's just a, how do you set this thing up better, uh, knowing that you've actually got a good movie on your hands? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing. Like the story of that movie, like whenever they they kind of came out and it's like, oh yeah, you know, like the the people, lots of people like it. Where it's like even like yeah. um, Spielberg, I like, saw it and he was like, I I thought I, I only I could make one of these, um, you know, a good one of these basically yeah. is what he said. And like, and it's like, okay, well that's that's positive. But then yeah, you get you get to the film festival and it's like, mm, people aren't aren't as into it. Yeah. And then, then it comes out, and then now I'm like, it's slowly hearing like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's real, it's actually good, like it's real good. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's just like, but the, the damage is already done. Like the 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 people who actually do go see it finally, you know, will love it and like it, and it'll be like, oh man, why wasn't this like, why is this so underrated, or why was you know, why was this not like more top of the mind? But it's just because you got a, such a packed year, you got a, such yeah. a packed like few months here, you know, right. Um, but overall, like, again, like, so I told you there was a butt coming. The, the, the bummer part about this year is also like, um, the fact that we have now paused production on, on basically everything in Hollywood now because of the strikes. And I, and I, and I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not making a judgment call on the strikes. I think they have a lot of legitimate points, yeah. especially about AI and, um, the way that the movie studios are wanting them to, you know, assign their likeness away to them for use and pe- perpetuity for any project. Like that kind of stuff's ridiculous. Yeah, that stuff's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm not even saying, I'm not saying that they're wrong. It's, I'm just like making an observation on the situation where it's like, man, we just are now getting the box office like back to like where we have, you know, movies coming out at a regular uh, pace. And then this happens and like, yeah, you look at like Stranger Things is now delayed to like 2025. And it's like, oh my gosh. This yeah, is not good. And it's like it's one of those things where it's like as it, you know, there is going to be a threshold where it's like okay, well obviously we've paused like production on things, so it's already like there's already delays happening of releases, right? 
Um, but like, at, there's going to reach a point where there's going to be a substantial gap. Yeah. And yeah, yep. it's like it, there is, the, you know, obviously like the, the whole, the whole situation is like, well, the contracts were up right now. And so this is the time to negotiate. If you're going to ever negotiate, right. This is the time to negotiate. Yeah. I'm and not so saying like, they shouldn't be negotiating. I'm just making an observation right. on like, just as a, as a movie lover who loves to see the industry, like, I mean, I, we, I was, we were afraid to, for a few, like for a while there that like, man, our movies, uh, is the movie industry going to die? Like, is this whole thing going to like move to streaming only, you know? And like, because the theaters are going to go under and, you know, like we were, I mean, I, we, there was legitimate concern, uh, on that. And, you know, it's just nice, you know, and fun to see it, you know, ripping and roaring again, pumping out yeah. hits, people going to movies and, uh, making good ones. Um, and, you know, cause I think about like, you know, think about some of the movies we reviewed, like, I mean, the like, things like Scoob, they were good, but it's not as good as like, you know, uh, Spider-Man, uh, across the Spider-Verse, you know, like, sure. or probably, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Tales, um, Turtle Mayhem or whatever it's called. Mutant Dude, that's Mayhem. getting great reviews. I'm so excited about know, that I'm one. I'm excited about that too. So, you know, I, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just something that we'll, that we'll have to have to live through and deal with, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and hopefully, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, hopefully the industry and, uh, and, and people come out on the other side of it intact and, and better for it. Um, you know, theaters and everything. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'll let you know, um, uh, next week how Oppenheimer is, um, go see Barbie in the meantime. It's really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, did I not talk about this earlier? I don't think you talked oh, yeah. about like you said that you went to see it, but you didn't actually talk about. Oh, yeah, sorry, like, I went to your see, experience. Oh, no, I went to see Barbie. I will say like it, I um uh I don't want to like it, it. It is not exactly what I expected in terms of um the balance of real world to Barbie world time that we spent. Interesting. Um. I'm trying not. I don't want to say anything that's spoilery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and don't give me like a percentage or anything. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. but that. But it is interesting that it didn't adhere to whatever your expectation yes, was. And and so um, that's because, cool. But I do. And I kind of wish there was more of one specific thing. But uh, we can talk about that later. Overall, though, I thought they did a real good job, like balancing um, balancing uh, the storyline and dealing with like different aspects of uh feminism uh all in the the same like movie and um you know talking about like uh dealing with in using Ken in a very like interesting way uh, I mean there's I mean this is a legitimate like comedy in my like when you watch it like you will laugh out loud like through this whole thing yeah um Ryan Gosling uh is one of the highlights of the movie um as Ken he's like the <laughs> Honestly, he's just he's like real uh moody and and uh you know feel forlorn forlorn for some of it and it's hilarious. Uh there's a one scene where they're uh all the kins are on the beach singing Matchbox 20, uh playing acoustic <laughs> guitar, singing Matchbox 20. Uh, I, I saw that the uh <laughs> that Rob Thomas uh yeah. like knew that that like that he was gonna be like he was like, Yeah, that song is gonna be like the butt of a joke, probably. No, and I'm fine is. with it. He's it, like, I'm totally into it. <laughs> but it's so good. But not in a way that this is a bad song. It's just like right. it's so good. 
Um, anyway, and then like there's this just whole, contextually there's a whole <laughs> dance and and Ryan sings. I mean, when you forget that he can sing and dance until he starts singing and dancing, and you're like, oh, I forgot he can do this. I just um, wish they would have like had him singing and dancing in like in uh, in like Blade Runner or something. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, anyway, so go see it. It's it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot. It is not a little kids movie. Most of it's going to go over someone's. It's PG thirteen for a reason. I mean, yeah. Like, if you haven't seen the trailers, like watch the trailers. Yeah. It's definitely not a. Oh yeah. Uh, not the jokes. The jokes are on the dirtier side. The like. Uh, I'm just saying because there were a lot of like small children in our theater and I'm like and they were the entire time they kept turning to their parents and because everyone would be laughing they're like why is that funny and then the parents would yeah. be like I'll tell you later <laughs> you'll understand in, in 10 to 15 years <laughs> exactly I mean it was just like going straight over their yeah. head so well, I mean yeah 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 which I don't expect it not to you know what I mean it's just, <laughs> yeah, of course uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's going to so uh, anyway yeah go see it it's good. Well, awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com on social at CureSite250. And JohnWright777. And at StayInTargetPod. Please go to your podcast service of choice. Review us. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.